1: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Alicia Health 2020 third quarter results conference call. I would now like to turn the call over to Nicholas Bergamini, VP of Investor Relations.
2: Thank you. Joining me on the call today are Alifia Health CEO Jeffrey Benick and CFO Benjamin Ferdinand. This morning, Alicia Health filed on its unaudited consolidated financial statements and notes thereto for the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2020 and its associated management discussion and analysis. All comments to be made on this call today should be taken with reference to and are qualified in their entirety by those documents. Please note that this call contains forward-looking statements or information and reflects the company's current expectations, estimates, projections, assumptions, and beliefs about future events and financial trends that they believe may affect the company's financial condition, results of operations, business strategy, and financial needs. By their nature, forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause our actual results, performance, or achievements or other future events to be materially different from any future events, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements. Given these risks and uncertainties, shareholders and prospective purchasers of the company's securities should not place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. Further, any forward-looking statement speaks only as of the date on which such statement is made and, except as required by applicable law, the company undertakes no obligation to update any forward-looking statement to reflect events or circumstances after the date on which such statement is made. This call also contains non-IFRS financial performance measures which the company believes provides users with relevant information regarding operations and performance. These measures are not recognized or defined under IFRS, and as a result, they may not be comparable to the data
3: presented by other issuers. Jeffrey, over to you. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Today is Remembrance Day in Canada, where we honor the courage and sacrifices of our veterans and active service members of the Canadian Armed Forces. We are proud to have many veterans as patients at Alephia Health. So to all our veterans, and their family members listening today, thank you. I want to first address head-on what is apparent in our third quarter results, which is sequential decline in cannabis revenue. I think it's incredibly important to not view this in isolation. We are on track to see significant quarter over quarter revenue growth in Q4. First of all, we have 16 million in booked near-term sales through the domestic wholesale channel. We expect the majority of this revenue will be recognized in Q4 with the remaining shipments to customers being completed in Q1 2021. But this major sequential increase in revenue is not just attributed to the 16 million sales I've just noted. In the fourth quarter, we expect to see major growth in adult use cannabis revenue. We are on track for record medical cannabis revenue. And depending on the timing of receiving necessary import and export permits, we may also report record international cannabis revenue. Looking forward to the fourth quarter, we expect to have our best results to date. I know Ben will spend some time outlining this channel by channel growth shortly. As we've said in our previous three quarterly results, We foresaw some seasonality in our revenue due to outdoor cultivation-generated sales. That's exactly what occurred in Q3. We completed the sales of our final outdoor flower inventory earlier in the year, and at the same time, our series of product launches has only begun generating revenue in Q4. That left us with very limited product availability during the reporting period, and it had a noticeable impact on sales we see significantly less seasonal revenue lumpiness next year. The path we've taken has been very clear since day one. 2018 and 2019 saw us building up three facilities. In 2020, we received our licenses at these facilities just six to seven months ago. And since then, the entire focus of our business over the last nine months has been a transition away from wholesale revenue and towards the sale of cannabis sales to patients and consumers. That's meant ramping up and integrating our three new facilities that we brought online. We've dedicated resources to building an innovative, differentiated product portfolio. Finally, beginning in Q4, we are commercializing the business at scale. It's the roadmap we've followed in a disciplined manner since the summer of 2018. I'd like to give a walkthrough on a number of key product initiatives. Our portfolio of products is growing exponentially over the next few months, as we enter the recreational market in a meaningful way. This expansion will also have a similar impact on our medical cannabis business. First, we launched universal 510 vape cartridges in early October to our medical patients. The reception has been very positive, and we've been pleased to note that the vape cartridges have not cannibalized other products. Rather, they have increased our patients' average order size. And I'm also happy to report that we've completed our first shipments of vapes to the adult use market last week. Second, later this month, we'll commence sales of Kinslips, our award-winning sublingual strip offering. This format is currently not available in Canada. Ultimately, we have five different SKUs featuring different THC and CBD potencies and terpene profiles for various need states. Unlike edibles, which have much stricter limits on quantity and THC content in a package, each kin slip unit contains 10 strips with 5 or 10 milligrams of THC or CBD per slip. Kinslips have a rap- rapid onset time of 10 to 15 minutes with a duration of 2 to 4 hours. They're discreet and precisely dosed and are made with natural vegan ingredients. It's a really compelling offering and we think Kinslips will stand out. Moving to confectionery edibles. We've completed production runs of our own soft candies, which are formulated, produced, and packaged in-house at our Paris facility. That's a product category we see as significantly underserved and one we intend to make an impact in. Our soft chews are pectin-based and use only natural flavors and colors. We're slated to commence sales of this new category in January 2021. Lastly, rounding out our products, we're also expanding our dried flower portfolio. That leads us to our 2020 outdoor cultivation harvest. In 2019, we seized on outdoor cultivation as a way to differentiate against more established peers. We harvested 13,000 kilograms of dried flower and successfully sold the vast majority of it in the wholesale transactions. Comparable to last year, The cost per gram to harvest, which includes all operating expenses for the year, was $0.10 a gram versus $0.08 a gram the previous year. But there are three big differences in 2020. First, we harvested significantly more at approximately 31,000 kilograms. That is limited to dried flower. Second of that amount, 7,000 kilograms is THC-dominant high-quality flower, much of which can be sold in adult-use market. In contrast, we did not have THC cultivars growing last year. And finally this year, we have the extraction and packaging capacity with our new Paris facility to convert much of the outdoor harvest into packaged consumer products, whether it be pre-rolls, extracts, or into distillates for edibles. The Niagara greenhouse is also contributing to our dried flower portfolio. With commercial production, lots of of core strains already completed. It's scaling up quickly with 40,000 plants currently in the greenhouse. We've talked about a number of formats, but let's put things in perspective. In Q3 2020, we had roughly 10 SKUs in the adult use market at any given time. Over the course of 2021, that number will increase to over 50. With a diversified flower portfolio in mind, we've also been running a genetics R&D program at the Outdoor Grow, the Niagara Greenhouse, and our Indoor Grow at the Paris facility. We acquired 40 genetics, most, most of which are not available in the legal markets in Canada. We've now completed preliminary production runs at all of our facilities to narrow down the top candidates based on cannabinoid content, presentation, and other metrics. This is a meticulous process, but it's incredibly important that we take the time to understand which genetics will fare best in each of our unique environments. I'm so excited to be at this stage in the business. Our team has executed well, and we'll bring one of the most diverse product portfolios to the market in the near term. Ben, over to you. Thank you, and good morning. Jeff spoke
4: about some of the top-line growth in cannabis in Q4. It's worthwhile to unpack that further. Starting with the medical cannabis business, we've continued to see extremely strong growth in active registered patients from 13,300 in Q2 to 17,500 in Q3, an increase of over 30% quarter over quarter. This tends to be a leading indicator of growth in medical cannabis sales. Clearly, We are seeing the strength of our unique medical business model picking up steam. We shifted to seeing patients at our clinics virtually during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's allowed us to actually be more flexible and effective while containing costs. To put a finer point on the strength of our platform, patients can see their physician, be scripted, order products, and receive their shipment all in the same day. A very unique value proposition. September was our best month ever for medical cannabis sales, and October again beat our all-time highs. We expect to report record medical cannabis sales in Q4 due to this growth in patients, but also from incremental revenue generated from an improved product portfolio. As Jeff mentioned, these new products will include vapes, kin slips, and others. Likewise, adult-use cannabis revenue is expected to be substantially higher in Q4 compared to Q3. As we enter the adult-use market in a meaningful way with a significantly improved product portfolio, we've invested in a strong sales team. This has already led to an increased pull-through of existing products to retailers. That said, it is the new products that will form the bulk of our sequential gains in Q4 and into 2021. We're also seeing a ramp-up in international activities both in Germany and Australia. Our 60%-owned joint venture, Alephia Germany, has also commenced cannabis sales into German pharmacies and we, begin, and we will begin recognizing revenue from this channel in the fourth quarter. As we announced in September, our German Joint Venture Distribution Center is now licensed to purchase, store, and shift cannabis into the world's uh, largest global medical market um, into, the, into the EU. We're in the process of fulfilling multiple purchase orders into the Australian market for our medical cannabis brand called Everso. These are the largest international orders we've seen to date by a wide margin, and they will ship in either Q4 or Q1 2021, depending on regulatory approvals. The next catalyst for international sales will be securing EU GMP certification for our Paris facility. We do have an inspection scheduled for December, but it is possible that the inspection could be delayed into Q1 due to COVID 19 travel concerns. However, EU GMP certification is now within sight. With that certification, we will be one of only a handful of cannabis producers globally with EU GMP certification, allowing the production and export of extract products. We believe that the importance of this certification, the highest global standard for pharmaceutical production in the world, will only increase. In addition to the growth in medical, adult use and international sales channels, the company has contracted sales that will, upon completion of shipments, generate net revenue of 16 million. It is expected that the majority of the domestic wholesale shipments will be completed in Q4, with the remainder shipping to customers early in the first quarter of 2021. Now we'll move to margins. Sequentially, Q3 gross margins declined due to a ramp-up at our Paris facility, opportunistic sales of wholesale extract, and a concerted price reduction in the adult use market. Looking forward, we expect to see significant improvement in cannabis gross margins in the fourth quarter. Now, we will discuss our strong balance sheet. At quarter's end, we had 34.5 million in cash and 8.5 million in marketable securities for total of approximately 43 million in total cash and marketable securities over q3 and q4 we sold approximately 1.6 million shares of afria for approximately 11.5 million dollars this further strengthened our cash position the q3 net loss was 19.8 million which was primarily due to a 14 million dollar non-cash write-down of inventory to net realizable value. Like most other LPs, we saw a market-wide decline in prices. Now, our focus on disciplined growth remains a core priority. An example of that is that our SG&A expenses declined significantly on a sequential basis. We've also observed a decline in capital expenditures during the reporting period we expect capital expenditures to decline even further in Q4 compared to Q3. With the licensing of, Par- of the Paris facility, Niagara Greenhouse, and Port Perry 60-acre expansion all arriving in the first half of this year, we have no further ongoing significant capital projects. Operator, over to you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press the star and the number one key on your telephone. Once again, that's star one to ask a question. And the first question comes from the line of Graham Kringler with H Capital. Your line is open.
5: Yeah, hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my questions here. Uh, I, I wanted to. Uh, Ask a question regarding the uh, the expected sales uh, of 16 million spread across uh, you know majority Q4 and looking like some of it into into Q1 2021. Uh, You talked about how you know the sequential decline in Q3 uh, driven by you know most of that 2019 outdoor harvest product uh, being sold throughout the year. So as we look into 2021. Um, and towards the middle of the year, can you can you discuss a bit in terms of the supply picture um, and what that looks like, and, and what what's the availability of product there, um, especially product used uh, for for all the SKUs that you're going to launch in order to continue to propel sales growth um, going into the new
4: year? Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Great great question. Um, you know, and, and it's Ben. So as we think about our our production and, and supply going into 2021. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll unpack it separately between our outdoor Grow as well as our as our greenhouse. So on the outdoor grow side, you know, as, as we talked about, you know, uh, it's a supply issue in Q3 as we as we sold through a lot of the the product that we had grown last year in Q1 and Q2, uh, and and didn't have a lot remaining for Q3. That picture changes significantly going into Q4 with our outdoor harvest, which sets us up for you know having having products for for flower sales pre-roll, and input product for extract going into 2021. The other side of it is our greenhouse, which we're really excited about, with a significant number of new genetics that are going to be, you know, high potency uh, on THC side, uh, which will be a game changer in the adult use market. And that will give us a consistent year-long supply of that product to really, you know, allow us to to, to drive into the uh, adult use market in a very meaningful way.
3: Okay,
5: I understood. Thank you. And then just just to follow up on that, um, you gave some color about, um, you know, into the next quarter, we're going to see record medical revenue um, and a significant ramp up uh, on, on the adult use. Um, so, you know, in terms of, again, thinking into into 2021, the medical channel being very resilient for, for and, in fact, an area of growth, as you go from 10 to 50 SKUs in the adult use market, what should we expect in terms of the overall revenue mix? Do you think that's going to tilt to warm favor of adult use as we get through the heart
4: of next year? Look, we, we don't give kind of specific splits, but you know we would expe- we definitely expect to see you know a majority of our revenue generated in two thousand twenty one coming from you know a combination of adult use and medical. And this has really been the intention of management since day one to increase our proportion of revenue into uh, medical consumers and uh, and adult use consumers.
3: We think uh, we're going to have a very very compelling offering uh, in the uh, recreational market. Uh, Ontario is just getting going. Ontario's in our backyard, so I just want to put things in perspective here. I think we're up to. 220 stores right now, licensed stores in Ontario. I think this market probably hold about 1,000 stores in Ontario. So the pull through is just going to be very incredible. And uh, and I can tell you with our, our sales organization in the field right now, establishing those really key, key uh, relationships with a lot of the uh, retail stores, uh, we think that we're gonna bode really well. Uh, that coupled with some, uh, if you take our 7,000 kilos of outdoor THC uh, into a pre-roll format, uh, low cost and, and uh, differences our pre-roll uh, is going to be made out of flour um, yeah, with great price points and, and kind of our mantra is, is best product, best price here. We think we're going to do really well in this bur- burgeoning Ontario marketplace. So we're really going hard uh, here in Ontario. Our patient counts continue to grow. Uh, tremendously uh, uh, quarter over quarter and we're really excited about uh, uh, that part of our business uh, especially as we're starting to add all these new SKUs and new formats as I mentioned earlier we're not seeing uh, cannibalization we're actually seeing uh, uh, growth in, in, in our business uh, in that channel as we bring on some of these new SKUs so uh, we're excited uh, you know we also think Kinslip's uh, are going to be a great, great offering, uh, unique. Uh, uh, that coupled with our, our pre-rolls, uh, I think it's going to be disruptive. And uh, I think that we're, uh, uh, based on the POs that we have coming in right now from, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, wholesalers, uh, we think uh, the the future is looking really bright for us. All right. Thank you.
5: Understood. Appreciate the color. Then, then my last question here is. With respect to the international medical shipments, you talked about, um, you know, potential timing falling uh, on either side of next quarter. Just wondering, um, can you explain a little bit more in detail what sort of steps are involved, or or what step gives gives the most uncertainty in terms of when that timing will be, and whether there's any impact to getting getting approvals approvals or, or shipments taken uh, because of the pandemic? Thank you. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. It's it's a fairly standard import export permits, and you know, for example, to Australia, we've already you know shipped product there, uh, you know, last year. So it's it's a fairly straightforward process for us. Okay, understood. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And our next question comes from Greg McLeish with MRCC. Your line is open.
0: Right, guys, I uh, just wanted to drill down on, on Graham's question disregarding the contracted cannabis sales um, for the $16 million. I think, you know, I don't want to accuse you of dodging the, the question, but what percentage of revenue or what percentage of the $16 million do you think you will record in Q4 this year?
4: Yeah, I think we, we've said, you know, in our, in our release that a, a majority of it we expect to happen in, in Q4. So, so I think I think that that guidance is fairly clear there. Okay. So we can't give you the percentages, but but a majority of it, uh, and again, you know, some of it's dependent on on shipping times and whatnot, but a majority of it. Okay. Great. And this. Um, Going over to your CapEx, you sort of highlighted
0: that, you, you know, the majority of your CapEx has been spent. So what type of, you know, how should we be sort of looking at maybe Q4 CapEx? I know it's going down, and, and even into 21, what are you sort of forecasting on a year, you know, yearly basis for 2021?
4: Yeah, we, we haven't disclosed kind of the specific numbers, but, but as we said, you know, the, the CapEx builds for Paris – uh, Grimsby and the port infrastructure for the Port Perry outdoor are, are already built, so so you can imagine that kind of coming down significantly into Q4, into just more maintenance mode, and will be much the same on the maintenance side into 2021.
3: Hey Greg, it's uh, just down to brake fix now. So the only uh, only things we're work uh, that we'll, we'll be spending money on will be brake fix, because uh, everything at this point is completely built out, and uh, uh, outside of our Distribution center uh, waiting on the license. Uh, we uh, um, everything is 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 just ready to execute and and executing very well right now.
0: Great. And just just on the Ken strips, uh, I think you highlighted that you would be able to put ten in a pack, so either five milligrams or ten milligrams per strip. How are you going to? Are these going to be available in the recreational market as well? And if so, can you? you can't sell them in multiples, I guess, but is that only for the medical side or, you know, how should we be thinking of kinships going forward?
3: So so we're excited about that, uh, because that's a differentiator. We actually can sell them in packs of 10. So they're 100 mils or 50 mils. So you you could uh, uh, look at uh, uh, Q4, they'll be in the uh, uh, adult use or rec channel. And in November, so I think, if I'm not mistaken, next week they launch in the medical channel. So, uh, 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 no later than two weeks, uh, they'll be in the medical channel. And uh, I encourage everyone to try them. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be exciting, and I think they're going to be disruptive, just like our pre rolls. Our pre rolls are going to be disruptive, uh, uh, and uh, some of these innovative products uh, that we are going to be announcing and bringing on are going to be very, very disruptive. And slips I think, are going to be uh, well received in the uh, uh, in the medical channel as well as the uh, uh, adult use erect channel. I think they're discreet. The onset is is, uh, is is very quick, and and uh, uh, two to four hours is what you'll uh, get out of them. And and the fact that we can sell them and market at uh, you know 100 mils or 50 mils is is uh, I think uh, very disruptive, Greg. Right? That's great. And just just on the kinships, what's the bioavailability
0: comparatively to some of the other adult, you know, um, cannabis 2.0 products?
3: So because it's sublingual, that's why we get the two-hour onset, sorry, the 10-minute onset. Uh, So uh, uh, just like it would would compare with any uh, sublingual tincture uh, uh, comparative, uh, Greg. Perfect. I'll get back in the queue. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Greg, make sure you pick up those cane slips. I sure will.
1: Thank you. And our next question comes from Andrew Semple with Echelon Capital Markets. Your line is open.
6: Hi, and good morning, everyone. Morning.
1: Uh,
6: morning. Uh, just my first question here I also wanted to um, touch upon the $16 million of uh, contracted sales. Um, you know, just just curious whether you'd be able to uh, disclose any additional details on that. Um, some of the stuff, you know, uh, that might be interesting is, uh, you know, whether there's a fixed or um, floating uh, price for, uh, for that product uh, that you expect to deliver. You know, is that a, a fixed pricing level or, or based on prevailing market rates? Uh, and whether you could comment on. What the products, uh, m- what the product mix would be, between flour, trim, uh, a- and other possible formats.
4: Yeah, uh, it's been Ben. Good question. So, so this is a, these are, it's a fixed price contract. So, so it's not floating. Uh, so the, the dollar amounts are, are fixed and contracted, um, and uh, and the and the mix is is focused on flour. Understood. And and
6: in terms of the fixed pricing level, would that be somewhat comparable to, um, I guess, historical uh, levels for your, um, uh, your bulk pricing?
4: Uh, you know, with the trend in the market, you know, it will be lower compared to uh, some of the, the previous pricing. But uh, but but at, when we think about our, our very low cost structure and 10 cents a gram, you know, we expect it to be very, very profitable for us.
6: Okay, understood. Um, It it uh, it doesn't look like you experienced some modest pricing increases, uh, you know, to your adult use and and medical channels in the quarter uh, compared to sequentially, um, which appears to be somewhat contra-trend. You know, as your availability of supply increases, uh, would it be reasonable to expect some modest pricing compression uh, in the adult use and and medical channels as well? or do you think with the new product formats uh, you plan to launch it uh, could potentially offset some of that uh, that pricing pressure
4: yeah it, it's been so so there's going to be a, a couple couple things that are going to be happening into to, to the coming quarters so as Jeff has highlighted new product formats coming into the market uh, at, a, at a relatively premium price uh, compared to you know the 1.0 products so that will help. The pricing uh, but also what we're what we're seeing in this market uh, as Jeff uh, has said is we're very focused on providing the best product for the best price so so we're seeing this as a as a growing area in the market that we're going to be able to take advantage of and so you know we're going to be adjusting our prices you know to, to get to the right level but with extremely high quality product and and very low cost structure you know we, we see a, we have a lot of flexibility and and are going to be able to, to to really disrupt the market.
3: Andrew, I just want to be clear. That pricing pressure is going to come from us. Uh, we are uh, we're going to we're going to be disruptive, uh, and uh, I, I really think that uh, you know in, in some of these categories uh, that represent the majority of of the uh, recre re- sorry recreational channel, we will be disruptive. We will be the ones uh, in market uh, with the best product, best price, because we can. Uh, so. Uh, you know uh, um, uh, we we think uh, uh you know stay tuned you'll see it you'll see it real soon thank you for that that's uh, that's good color um just my last question here
6: i uh, just want to get your high level sense um and your high level comments on uh the medical market in canada um you know just want to touch on your guidance that you expect record medical cannabis revenues uh in q4 um are you seeing any lessening of the competitive pressure from medical patients, uh, you know, as some of your industry peers have increasingly turned to um, the adult use market, uh, and what's the potential market opportunity um, to continue to build into the uh, medical cannabis? Uh, so the medical
3: market, market is just getting going. I know everyone's talked about declining memberships or, or enrollments uh, or patient counts, Uh, And people think that, uh, you know, as as, uh, the OCS in Ontario starts to roll up more stores, it just becomes more convenient. But we haven't even seen the beginning of the medical channel. Uh, You're going to see unions that are going to actually uh, have fully funded programs for their members uh, that will uh, get in the game, and that will be a game changer. And uh, we think that that will be the uh, pivoting point of, uh, of uh, you know the the, re, the resurgence of the medical channel, uh, and let's face it, uh, you know if you really uh, want to get off an opiate, if you really want uh, to you know change your behavior away from opiates and get in something that's more healthy, uh, the only way uh, to really uh, uh, get that benefit is to go through the medical channel. We have a lot of folks that haven't even tried cannabis yet. Uh, in Canada, we're just uh, you know skimming the iceberg here, and uh, I truly, truly believe uh, that uh, you know there'll be you know unions uh, that'll come in with fully funded benefit programs uh, that'll game change uh, and and really start the process going with more folks that have never even considered cannabis as an opiate alternative uh, as therapy. And I think those folks that are new to cannabis, Will come through the cannabis, cannabis, grow wise clinics, uh, and, and and our virtual clinics, get seen, get heard, and get scripted. And I think that they'll make the pivot, especially with the funded, uh, uh, a funded, uh, a funded, uh, program to support that.
4: And, and it's been, and what Jeff highlighted is kind of the size of the pie for medical growing over time, but we also are well positioned to take market share. Based on our ecosystem, so we're able to, you know, you know, you know, continue to to sell into patients. We're able to, you know, continue to have unique offerings just, uh, such as our, you know, same day delivery and the GTA, which is being expanded, and, and lots of different offerings that our competitors don't have, you know, tied to our, our our great quality products that allow us to take market share. So it's a combination of medical. You know, we we we're bullish on it, uh, but also be able to take market share from our competitors.
6: Thank you, Jeff and Ben. appreciate your comments there, and uh, thank you for taking my questions.
1: Thank you, and I'm not showing any further questions at this time. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Everyone have a good day.